0: Typically, this is where I ask you to take out your study guide, but this morning, the study guide will do you no good. Uh, Last night, I was in between study sessions, I guess you would say, and I sat down and I decided to turn on my Bible app and I started listening where I was at that point was the book of Esther and I decided well I'll listen through the ten chapters of Esther and then I'll turn it off I'll get back to studying and as as I did I kinda got involved in the book of Esther and what was happening so when it went through the tenth chapter and then started into the book of Job uh, my mind was not where it should have been so I started listening to Job and Honestly, the first chapter of Job it spoke to me in ways that God has not spoken to me in a long time. And I struggled with, okay, what do I do with this? Do is this something that God's calling me to change directions for this morning? Is this is this something that that was just strictly for my benefit because it certainly was a conviction on me it certainly was something that grabbed my heart and grabbed my attention and so I was struggling with this thought is this what God wants for all of us and as I went back and forth uh, through the course of uh, the study I honestly this is what my notes typically look like but as I was listening to Job on the back of my notes intended for this morning I started writing out things and and as I prayed about it and thought more about it, God impressed me very clearly that I was to change directions this morning. And then as I was listening to the music, it just solidified the thought that, yeah, this is, this is really what God intends for us today. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Typically, we try to have the verses printed for you. In my opinion, the most important thing we do on a Sunday morning and most important thing we do through the week is to read God's Word. And uh, so I try to have it there so no one has an excuse. Everyone has an opportunity. You don't have to try finding it if that's not comfortable for you. Uh, But this morning, because of the fact that this is fresh stuff, it's not in printed form for us, I'm going to ask you if you have a Bible to turn to Job chapter 1. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, you can look that up online. Bible Gateway is a good place to find it. If you need the Wi-Fi password, it's mile. 8448 mile 8448 and you can follow along with us we're going to be dealing primarily with chapter 1 I will mention and focus some on following chapters but primarily our attention is going to be spent on chapter 1 Wednesday evening we were talking about a guy named Jarius an incredible man I learned things about Jarius through that study that I did not know. I just saw him from a different perspective, I guess. And, and my heart was challenged and it was moved. Today, we come to a guy named Job that is even more impressive than was Jarius. If you have your Bible open, hopefully, I've given you enough time. Uh, If you didn't find it, you can turn to the very middle of your Bible. You'll probably be around the book of Psalms. Job is right before the book of Psalms. If you're trying to find it, hopefully you can locate it a little easier that way. But, I guess while I'm saying that, I'd better find it too. (laughs) Job chapter 1, I want you to look at verse 1. Now, just let me ask you to do this be patient with me Uh, because I am not uh, prepared like I like to be when I get up before you and so if I ramble a little bit give me a little freedom this morning don't uh, don't cast stones what I do want you to do is please pay careful attention to where we're heading with our thoughts I I want you to get this if it's not intended for you then learn it and you can share it with someone else but my opinion is that this, this particular study this morning is going to be geared for every one of us to some degree or another. So please pay careful attention and uh, let's learn from this together. Job chapter 1 verse 1, we find out what an incredible guy this guy named Job is. It says, For there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Now think about it with me. This is the character of the guy we're talking about. He's not telling us here that he was a perfect man. In fact, later on, Job himself even says, If I was to declare that I was perfect, my lips would, would, would uh, prove me otherwise. And Job's not trying to let us think that he somehow has achieved a level of perfection that we'll never get to. But what was going on in Job's life was that Job had, had so dedicated his life and his heart to God that even when those things came into his life that did not belong there, Job was confessing. If you read in verse two, we're not going to read it, but in verse two, you see that he was constantly sacrificing offerings. Jesus Christ did not come into the world. He had not sacrificed for sin at this point, and so they were still doing these temporary sacrifices to, to temporary cover the sin until. The the Messiah would come and satisfy the debt once and for all. And Job was continually offering sacrifices even for his children. So Job was keeping these short accounts with God. He wanted to be right with God. And it shows because God himself later on, we'll read it, I believe it's in verse 7 or 8, says that he was in fact an upright man. That none was like him in all the earth. And this is the quality God we're talking about here. But interestingly enough, Satan comes before God and God questions Satan about his servant Job. And he says, if you noticed, my servant Job, that he is none like him in all the earth. If you noticed what a quality person he is, how he honors me with his life. And Satan has a response to this. He tells God, he said, oh sure he honors you. I mean, think about it. You've put a hedge of protection around him. Nothing can harm him. You've given him everything in the world that he could possibly want. He's the richest man to live in this day. What more could he ask for? Why would he not honor you? But then Satan says something that really captured my attention. He said, but if you take that away, you take all of that away from him, and all of a sudden you're gonna find out that he's not what you thought he was you take it all away and he will curse you to your face interestingly enough this man who was so upright who was so just who was so righteous before god god looked at satan and he said okay go ahead Do what you want to. Don't touch him or his life. Later, he allowed him to touch him and put boils upon him. But first of all, he said, go ahead, take what he has. And if you read on down probably verse 14 or 15 on down through verse 19, you find what was taken from him. Three different servants ran to him and said, we were doing this and and fire fell from heaven or thieves came and took and everything you own has been taken away and these three servants said, I am the only one left to tell you about this. The next one came in as he was finishing his conversation. The next one came in and then the fourth one came with the most tragic, heartbreaking news. He said, your children, your ten children were feasting together when a great wind came out of the prairie and crushed the house in upon them so that they all died. Oh, can you imagine the heartbreak that Job would have felt? Can you imagine the agony and the pain that was in his heart at that moment? Ten children, all dead. I believe in that very moment, Satan thought, I've won. Look how how discouraged he is. Look how much in despair he is. Look how broken he is. You wait and see. He's going to do exactly what I said now. He's going to curse God. I've won this battle. God, are you watching this? and yet in verse 20 through 22 look there if you will the bible says then Job arose in this torment in his soul in this agony that was upon him this pain and this desperation Job arose tore his robe shaved his head which was a sign of grief of deep grief and what did he do next he fell to the ground and worshipped and he said naked I came from my mother's womb naked I shall return there the Lord gave and the Lord is taken away blessed be the name of the Lord and look at verse 22 in all this Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong it's interesting to me To watch a man of character respond to difficulty. To watch a person of character respond to heartache and pain and sorrow. You gotta understand something. I'm not trying to belittle the pain and the suffering that he was in, it was real. I mean, any of us who are parents, grandparents, you know this pain would have been real. You know his heart would have been crushed to a point to where he might have thought it will never get better. And yet because his heart and his focus was upon God, the Bible says that he would not blame God. And he did not sin in the way he responded to this time of difficulty. So you have a couple of things happening here. You have God, Almighty God, who is over all, giving permission to the great enemy of God and mankind, the devil, to unleash havoc and pain and suffering upon one of his most upright children and Satan does just that he comes against job with all the forces that he can muster he takes away everything he owns and kills his children and he expects in that moment that he has won the victory and yet job says I came into this world with nothing and I will leave this world with nothing God is given and God will take away as he desires. And Job worshiped God. Now remember what worshiping God is all about. It's declaring His glory. It's declaring His greatness. It's revealing His greatness to mankind. That's glorifying God. It's letting people know what we think about God. And what we find in the words of Job is exactly what he thought about God. God, you are much bigger than me. The world doesn't revolve around me, it revolves around you. And therefore, if you see fit to take everything I own, if you see fit to take my children away from me, you are God. And I don't like it, it hurts, it's painful... There will be tears on my pillow. I will show my grief through despair. And yet through it all, I understand that you and you alone are God. And I trust you in the process. That is amazing to me. It is simply amazing that someone could respond in such a way. And I think what amazes me most about this is because I feel that my response may not have been so pure. And God convicted my heart because I'm really good at singing the songs we sing. Majesty, Lord of all, let every throne before you fall. I give you glory with my mouth. I'll talk about how good and great you are but the unfortunate thing is I'm afraid that my life doesn't bear that out all the time. The unfortunate thing is I think that my life does not bode quite as well as my words do when I'm talking about giving God glory through my life. How do I know? Because God gives me commandments. And he tells me, you are to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And yet I do that when it's convenient. And he said, you are to love your neighbor even as you love yourself. And I get to thinking, well now, if I really do that, we've been talking about that over the past few weeks because this is our theme for 2017, love for others. If I really do that, that means that I'm going to be doing some things that aren't necessarily comfortable for me and I'm going to be serving in ways that maybe I I, I don't really want to be invited. I'd rather just let other people do it. And as a result, kind of back away from that commandment too and we treat it more like a good suggestion than a command coming from Almighty God God says don't rob me give your tithes and your offerings and yet we say well I've got other things to do with my money or I don't think I can afford it and so we treat it as a good suggestion and not as a command from God where God is looking down and He's saying, I am the center of your universe and therefore I do not revolve around you, you revolve around me. It's kind of like we're standing in the, in the throne room of the king. And, and this king has all power and all authority. So that when he screams out or barks out or speaks out a commandment, people jump and they run. They scurry to do what he's commanded them to do because he's the king. If he so desires, he snaps his finger and the one who rebels dies on the spot. This king speaks and expects obedience. And yet we have the nerve to stand in the throne room of almighty God who is not a harsh dictator but one who loves us and instead of responding with the way we should respond to the supreme being over the universe the one who created us instead of saying okay God that's what you say I'll get right to it we treat his commandments as really good suggestions well God I'll take that under advisement and if it's convenient well I'll do what you say I got to tell you, as I sat there listening to those words last night, God convicted me to such a level. Because I don't want to be that person that talks about how great God is and yet doesn't live it out in my life. I don't want to be that person that is hypocritical because on Sunday I act a whole lot different than I do through the rest of the week. I don't want to be that person that that puts on a good front when other people are watching and yet when I'm alone with my thoughts other things are happening. I want to be that person who recognizes that I am standing in the presence of Almighty God. And therefore at every moment of my life I must give to him that which is due him. I must glorify him. I must express his greatness. I must express his value. Because he is God and I am not. I'm so convinced that there are times when hardships hit us. And let me just keep the focus on me for a second, because I don't really know your situation. I do know mine. I'm convinced that there are times when hardships come that instead of responding appropriately to God, you are God, I trust you in every situation. I may not like it, I may not enjoy the pain, but I trust you instead of expressing that confidently and boldly to glorify God, I'm afraid sometimes that what I do in response is complain. I don't deserve this. Did you hear what she said about me? You know what's happening in my life right now? It's terrible. And I'm afraid that there are other times when I just talk back, God, I don't understand this. This should not be happening. You need to change this. Once again, I'm not belittling the pain and the suffering. I know some of you right now are in incredible times of suffering in your life. And I am so sorry for that. I know your pain is real. I know your suffering is real. I know the tears you're crying are real. I know that. But what my desire is this morning is to give you a different outlook on your suffering. To where it's not self-focused. I think God wants us to understand that while this involves us, this time of suffering involves us, please hear this, It's not really about us. The world doesn't revolve around us. I think what God wants us to understand is that even our suffering is to be about Him. Even our torment, even our anguish, even our greatest fears and pain and anxieties are to be about Him. It's all to be focused on Him so that we say, God, what can I do in the middle of this torment to make sure that you get glory from it? I believe that if we began to think that way, it would revolutionize our lives. I believe it would change everything about our suffering because all of a sudden we would see purpose in our suffering all of a sudden we would see purpose in our pain. We would understand that the pain and the suffering and the sorrow is designed not to be a spotlight on ourselves, but to be a spotlight focused on mighty God as everyone looks and acknowledges, yes, he's in a time of pain, but look at how much he thinks of God. I believe that God is calling us to a different orientation. To where everything about this life gets a new focus, to be a focus that turns to Him. I'm hurting. My health is bad. My finances are bad. My relationships are bad this is terrible this this is painful but what i want to do with this is give this pain and this suffering to god i want everyone to know the greatness of god i came into this world with nothing i will leave with nothing it is up to almighty god to do in my life what he thinks is best because you know what what i think is best Sometimes is totally different than what God thinks is best. And yet the reality is, God really knows. I don't. I have thoughts, and generally it involves my ease. Do you know what? I typically pray when something bad's happening? God, take it away, let it pass. Instead of saying God if you want this the last three more years continually teach me how to glorify you in it because if God knows best if God knows what's best for those who love him and that's what he's going to do every time for them then shouldn't I just trust him in the middle of the heartache Shouldn't I refocus to say, God, I want you to be glorified in this. I know that what I'm asking us to do today is hard. If you happen to be in the middle of a time when everything's going all right, it won't be nearly as hard for you to make a decision today to do this. But if you're one of the ones who's in a time of grief and heartache and sorrow and suffering and to step out and say God even in this time I trust you it will not be easy for you and yet I can give you complete assurance that that is the only place that your peace will be found is when we turn and rely and trust in God and so what I'm asking you to do this morning is maybe do what I did last night God I'm sorry I've been good at talking my walk hasn't really revealed that it's true give me a new heart one that seeks to honor and glorify you in every part of my life not just fragments of it not just the visible parts but in every part of my life Thank you.